Hi, my name's Karen O'Connor and welcome to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, today I'm talking again to Victoria Jennings. We spoke a few weeks ago about our education system and entrepreneurialism and how to encourage creativity in our school system and also in our society. Today I'm talking to her about a completely different topic and that's the topic of twin flames. This is where one person has split into two parts this sounds really woo-woo, right? Just go with it. One person has split into two parts and they're living two separate lives to try to learn the lessons that they need to learn quicker. It's a fascinating discussion and Victoria's experiences in this are so interesting. Enjoy this podcast. So when are you going over to the States? Oh, when we can. I'm supposed to be there now. It's giving me time. It's giving me time to do other things, and I'm writing a book as well. I'm writing a book about, yeah, my, the love of my life, and all of that, and what happened, and it's a big love story. Uh, yeah, it is a really big love story, and it's about twin flames. Have you heard the term twin flames? Okay. No. Well, that's what I believe we are, and past lives have been shown to me, and the place that we actually rented in California was a place that we built in the 1920s. So it was actually when we went to that place, all this stuff was revealed to me, like visions and all sorts of stuff. So very interesting. It's a, it's a hell of a story. Okay. So if you want to have a podcast about that or not, I can understand if you don't, but I'm more than happy. Yeah, that's like, oh, I need to talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, something that I've wanted to do for a really long time and it taught, it taught me so much about myself, it really did, and self-love and all of that. And so, yeah, it's been a hell of a journey. But we're you're not talking. together now. We're not together but we're talking again. So we, right. we keep trying to be together but we trigger each other so badly and, and that's what Twin Flames do. They, they trigger each other for healing but when you don't know that that's what's going on, you get into the triggers and it becomes very dysfunctional, becomes very toxic and it's not a healthy environment. So you have to part. But now it's really interesting because now we're starting to talk again, we're starting to, and and now we know a lot more than we did. When the triggers come up, we say, hey, oh, that's triggering me. And then we go into ourselves. Why is it triggering? Because it's something to do with us, not them. It's never about them. Why is that being triggered? Where is that coming from? And, and then we go through a process and we're both doing that now. Or he'll say, you're projecting again. And, I, and now normally that would be a spiral down, right? But now I'll say, oh, thanks for that. I'll have a look at that. And it stops. So... It's very good. We're in a very interesting place at the moment. But we're 7,000 miles apart, so we can't kill each other anymore. <laughs> it, it can get to that point. It, it, I, I, I can understand how that could happen. But we love each other. We love each other deeply. But this, this stuff, this triggering that comes up, you just can't be together while that's going on. It's really cool. Every twin flame I know, every twin flame couple I know that are together all went through this. All of them did. 
the masculines were all, all of them, were what we would call narcissists. And but they've recovered. So it's really interesting. Can I ask you a question? And you might find this really rude. Are you the masculine or the feminine in that relationship? I don't find that rude at all. I'm very masculine. <laughs> I'm very masculine and he's very feminine. But he is able to put me into my feminine and I am able to put him into his masculine. So the idea of this is to balance, to balance it out. Now, the reason he's very feminine is because of the way he was brought up and the issues that he has. And the reason I'm very masculine is because of the way I was brought up and the issues that I have. And our issues mirror each other. So it's all about mirroring. A twin flame is supposed to be one soul that divides into two entities, two, two humans. One holds the masculine, one holds the feminine. And then you do the dance to balance everything out to zero point. And when everything's balanced to zero point, you can be together. Pretty amazing. So he's 27 years younger than me as well. And in the past life, I was 30 years younger than him. So this lifetime, we've switched it around. Really interesting stuff. Really, really interesting. How we met was, you know, a voice told me where to go. And I've never heard that voice since. It wasn't my voice. And it was persistent. And I wouldn't have met him if I didn't go there. But where um, were you? Noosa, believe it or not. And this voice was saying, I was, I was going to write a workshop, a new workshop, and I love to get to the ocean. I'm very creative around the ocean. So I usually go to Byron Bay. Like, that's a long way from Noosa, right? I usually would head to Byron. direction. <laughs> but this voice kept saying, go to Noosa. And I, would literally, I was having a fight with the voice. I'm, like, I'm not going to Noosa. I never go to Noosa. I'm going to Byron. Go to Noosa. I'm not going, I'm going to Byron. And then it just went, go to Noosa, go to Noosa, go to Noosa, go to Noosa. Go. Oh, shut up. Okay, okay, I'll go to Noosa. So I went to Noosa and I met him on day two. And a friend of mine rang me out of the blue. We normally, uh, we would normally catch up once a month for dinner here in Brisbane. And he rang me out of the blue, asked me where I was, told him I was in Noosa. He said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming up to Nambour tomorrow. We can have lunch. And that was so out of not what we do. And I said, yeah, that would be great. And he came up, he chose the restaurant and the fellow that I was supposed to meet was waiting tables in that restaurant. He was only there for four weeks because his mate had hurt his foot and he was holding his mate's job for him. So he did it for four weeks while his foot was healing. And he's, uh, he's an artist and he's, he was also at that point acting. And so we met, got on straight away like a house on fire and he asked me to go and see him in the play. He was, he was playing action in West Side Story and I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go. But the friend that was with me gave him my business card before we left, before we left the restaurant. I would never have done that. And then on the Monday he rang me at work asking me to come and see West Side Story, see him in West Side Story. And so I did. And my whole life changed. It's amazing. And three weeks after that, he moved to Brisbane. So it was like this. Whew. 
whirlwind of recognizing each other and knowing each other and and just knowing that we should be together. It was so weird. But anyway, it's a hell of a story. <laughs> stuff you would stuff you just you can't make up. <laughs> you know? In like what? Um well we well so I went to see West Side Story, I went to watch it. I was in the front row and there was this moment where he was and he's gorgeous looking, like he used to model and everything. He's just ugh, most handsome man I've ever met. Anyway. And he's in the front he's in the front row, front of stage, and he broke character and looked straight into my eyes and just smiled at me. And I fell in love. Lost like that. I was in love. That was the moment. It's like this soul recognition when our eyes met. So anyway, then we met after the we met after the play to have a drink and I couldn't talk to him. I was like a fourteen year old tenny bopper. I'd lost the ability to speak. And I'm like, ah, 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 ah. anyway, he asked me to have a drink with him. I don't know why because I just I was hopeless, I was a mess. So we he 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 was going back home to have a shower and then he was going to meet me um, at this place at sales. So I went there and I met him and had a drink and then it was great because the alcohol was freeing up my tongue. <laughs> so I could start to make sense. And anyway, so we had drinks and then he said, I would like to have dinner. And he took me to this beautiful romantic restaurant and it was so funny because I, I had the bio of him in front and I said, oh, you're only young. And because the bio said he was 27, I thought he might have been about 32 or something. But no, 27. Anyway, and um, he said, no, they made a mistake. And I said, oh, good, cool. He said, I'm 28. <laughs> Great. Makes a big difference. Anyway, so we had dinner and he picked everything on the menu and he picked the wine and it was just... Oh, gorgeous. We stayed there till about 11 p.m. And then he asked me if I'd like to have a walk on the beach. And I'm like, okay. So we went for a walk on the beach and he put his arm around me and my whole body quivered and shook like I've never had that experience before. It was almost like an out-of-body experience. And I pulled away because I didn't want him to feel the effect that he was having on me. And... um He's walking me back to my apartments and then he said to me, I've never been inside these apartments. <laughs> I thought, oh, I know he works. I know he's in the play. I think I'm pretty So I invited him up. Anyway, um, I'll just say, he said, he made this bit of a comment. He said, how long has you been in a relationship? And I said, four years. And he said, four years since you've been held in a man's arms? And I said, yeah. And he said, stand up. And he made me stand up and then he just held me in his arms. Oh, he's so beautiful. So, so beautiful. So, anyway, one thing led to another <laughs> and he stayed the night. And I thought, oh, so I, I, I drove home from Noosa and, you know, the sky was blue and the, the clouds were pink and the birds were singing more beautifully and it was just I was on this high and I thought I've never seen him again. That would be it. 
you know, but then the texting started and then the phone calls and then we just didn't want to be apart. We just wanted to hang out. And so he came to Brisbane. He came and did my course uh, around talent dynamics. Then he, I offered him a job as a salesperson and and I really did that so we had an excuse to hang out together. I don't think we really did much selling. <laughs> and, um, my boys did an intervention on me. Um, like, what are you doing? You crazy? Blah blah blah. Because he's three years older than my eldest son. So how old were you at this point? I was. He was um, twenty eight. He was. It you was were. Six, it was six years ago. It was twenty thirteen. September twenty thirteen. We met. The twenty right. second of September twenty thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> so you were fifty five at this point. Yeah. He brought me back to life. I was, I was at a, I was at a time where I really didn't want to be on the planet anymore, and I put on so much weight, and I just had nothing to live for. This is after divorces and you know all that stuff. And kids and really, growing up and leaving home, and you yeah, kind kids of lose growing the purpose, up, don't you? Like, like there was nothing. I'd achieved what I'd wanted to achieve, and I. And I didn't have any goals, you know what I mean? Like I was comfortable with the business and all that and I didn't have any vision or any desire to do anything really. And he came along at that point and turned my world upside down. And like he really romanced me and, you know, he would, I had all these experiences that I would not have normally had and he's very outgoing being a star profile so he we met everybody it was just so much fun it was so much fun anyway then he had to he had to go back to the states and so we said why don't we take the business to to california which is his home and that's what we did and then he found this estate oh my god called the cats estate which is in los gados which means the cats he found it like he was going down to Santa Cruz on, for a drive. This is what I mean about all the synchronicities and everything that happens with this, this story. So he's going down down to Santa Cruz. He sees um, a bar on the way, decides to have a counter, like a counter lunch. He walks in there and there's a guy sitting next to him and he doesn't know is the owner of the Cats Estate and he also owns the restaurant, the Cats Restaurant. And they're having this conversation. Anyway, and he asks what he's doing there and so says oh we we're setting up a business here and we want to run retreats and blah 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 I'm looking for a place of where we can hold all this and this guy's name's Mark and Mark said oh I've actually just finished refurbing a place up on up the mountain just behind us here and it's for rent would you like to see it it's on 75 acres it's got waterfalls blah blah all the elements so water fire earth wood steel it's all there right so the place is called the Gatehouse and, and the school that we were going to build, which we already knew the name of, was, was called the Dynamic Gateway School. So this house is called the Gatehouse. Yeah, anyway. So it has a look and he falls in love with the property. He's just, oh, the energy is just perfect. We can run retreats here. We can do workshops. We can do blah, 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 blah. And then I look at the history of it and it was built in the 1920s by Erskine and Sarah and they had a wonderful story and Charlie Chaplin used to visit there. There was a castle as well. So the gatehouse was outside the castle and Mark lived in the castle 
but they built all of this, Erskine and Sarah. So she was a poet and he was a lawyer and they were 30 years difference with them and they'd both been in marriages and met each other, fell in love, and they left there and there was no such thing as divorce. She was married to a pastor, a clergyman, and he was married to a Catholic. You couldn't divorce in those days, so they lived in sin. And the only people that would accept them were, were the Bohemians. And I, and I also found out they had an art college they'd started in San Francisco. And I was attracted to this place every day to meditate when I was there. And I found out later that Erskine's ashes had been spread in the olive grove just in front of where I used to meditate every day. So it came to pass that that had been one of our past lives. And the twin flame, well, I talked about twin flames before that we thought we were twin flames. There's a 30-foot mural on the back of the castle. It's a masculine and a feminine. And the tree of life and all this other symbology, night and day, yin and yang, all of the stuff, and they're holding a flame in their hands between them. So they were twin flames. And um, I didn't know what Twin Flames were and all of a sudden on YouTube, Twin Flame pops up and tells me what it is and I'm like, ah, that's what's going on with us. That's exactly what's happening here. And I had visions where I would morph into the 1920s and I would like be there and hear the conversations and it was, it was a very surreal experience. So we believe we are them come back and... We had another experience in San Francisco where we had a, at the same time, we had a vision of us both being in France in the 1700s. So we were listening to Beethoven. We're in the front row. And I looked over while this piece of music was playing. I looked over at He had a different face and he had a ponytail and he was in cream and gold, like 17th century France, you know, brocade, kind brocade, of thing, yeah. yeah, all that the flounces and everything. And exactly the same time, he reached over to me, grabbed my hand, squeezed it and held it really, really tight. And we couldn't talk because we were in the front row. So we had to wait till the music stopped. And I said to him, what happened when you grabbed my hand at that moment? And he said, I looked over at you and you had really high hair and you are in a cream and gold gown. So we had the same vision at the same time when this music was playing of another life that we'd obviously had together. And after I had that experience, I went to a clairvoyant and I told her about it and she said, yeah, you, you were a couple in the 1700s in France and you were young and you were just married and he died tragically early and you mourned him for 30 years. This 30-year thing keeps coming up all the time you mourn him for 30 years you never remarried you know you mourn him until you died basically and you didn't die until 30 years later and I had a dream one night and I saw him riding a horse falling off a horse and breaking his neck and I think that that was that time right so all this stuff all this stuff happens and when we first met he kept saying to me relax I'm not going anywhere relax I'm not going anywhere and when they were married the people that were at the Katz estate, when they were married, she had 30 years on her own because he was 30 years older and he died 30 years before she did and all this. So it just, this 30-year thing keeps coming up all the time. It's 
very interesting. Did all this start when you moved into the gatehouse or did it start yeah. before? Yeah, no. it was when you moved in. When we moved into the gatehouse, all this stuff started to come to me and, oh, we had, we, look, there's so much that used to happen. We had weird events used to happen there too. Weird things would happen, uh, explaining things. But I also found eventually it was like I would do research online and some things would be given to me and then I'd do research online and new things would show up that weren't on the original search. Like it was really weird. So it was like things were given to me as I could handle them, (laughs) as I could accept them. And I came across a transcript of hers before she died. She was interviewed before she died. And it's a 725-page transcript. And I started reading it. And I wasn't reading it. I was remembering everything. So there's a part in there her 14-year-old son was killed at her hand in in a car accident. And it was like this cars are very new. It was an open open car like the back was all open and he was sitting in the back and it went down it went down a cliff sort of thing a side of a mountain and it rolled and it rolled on top of him and she was stuck under the steering wheel and couldn't get out Erskine had to get out and get help he had to get up the top of the mountain to get help he couldn't move it on his own and the boy died well when i as i was reading that i could hear the gurgling of his lungs his lungs must have been crushed under it and i could hear him drowning in his own blood now that wasn't in the transcript but i knew and i could hear it so that had a a terrible effect on her that that she had a nervous breakdown over that as you could imagine so there were things like that as I was reading it. Yeah, yeah, it was me and I could fill in blanks. Like how could you fill in blanks that weren't there? I know that sounds very woo-woo, but it's a very woo-woo thing. So the, the book that I want to write about it, about experience, I kept a journal all through this period of my life. And so I want to write about the three different lives and, of course, I'll, I will make up things about that. It'll be fiction. I'll make up things about that as well, obviously. It would make a great movie. I think it would make a fantastic movie. So there's three lives that I know about. I also know we've had another life in Egypt as well. I had visions about that as well. So we go back a really long way. Um, but I want to write about the main three and, and interweave, you know, go, go into the different time periods and then where we are now and, and what's happening here now. And in the France lifetime, we were the same age. We were very similar ages, so it was just very different. He was an artist back then too. So funny. So this artist thing keeps coming out. And it's funny because Erskine, in, in the memoirs that I wrote, the, the transcript I read about him, he said if he comes back in another lifetime, he wants to be an artist full time because he used to paint as well. And he's an artist full time this lifetime. So. I mean, you know, it's a bit strange, don't you think? (laughs) You were talking earlier about timeline stuff. What's the timeline? Well, if you believe in what Einstein believed, 
everything's happening at the same time. So for me, timelines are doorways. You know, you can just walk through a doorway. And I think that's what we did in San Francisco. We both walked through a doorway at exactly the same time. So that life is actually happening now. It's weird. And so is Erskine and Sarah. That's happening now too. And so is I now and God knows future, I don't know. It's, it's probably happening as well. Who knows? The 1920s, early 1920s was Erskine and Sarah. And, and oh, that's the other thing. I, t- I told you before that the Twin Flames is about mirroring. Well, he and I even mirror our year of birth because I was born in 58 and he was born in 85. So it goes on and on and on and on. But the connection, connection between us, it's a spiritual connection. It's, it's, it's not like a normal romance. It's nothing like that because it's about soul growth. It's also about healing for the planet as well and healing templates changing templates and twin flames have a mission our mission was about schools and so there's a lot more to it than just meets the eye so because it's a spiritual connection it's very 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 strong and you have telepathy between you so even when you're not together you can talk to each other so easily because the this cord is so strong normally you're born on different sides of the world and you have to find each other and there's usually racial differences or age differences or there's always a challenge to overcome for your love to see if your love can overcome those challenges and so yeah i mean because it's so spiritual it never leaves you so i ha- i got divorced and yeah it was a shitty time for a little while but you get over it you move on and you don't i don't think about him at all anymore with your twin you cannot not think about them and all day, you know, like at various parts of the day. It's not as bad as it used to be now, but it's still there. And you dream about them at night and they come and talk to you in your dreams and all this sort of stuff. It's not something you ever get over because they are you and you are them. Your soul is the same, the same entity. You're just in two bodies split. And it's about yin and yang. So one of you holds the yin, one of you holds the yang, you know, more of that. And I can't, I, it's not something you ever get over. It's not something that you can, it's like not a soulmate, and I believe in soulmates too, a soulmate you can get over. Like it might, might take three months, but you'll be through it and over it and you won't think about them anymore, you know. You might occasionally, something might come up and that might throw a memory back, but that's it. But it's not this constant presence. And a twin flame is a constant presence. And you want to switch it off. Oh, my God, how you want to switch it off. But nothing you do can switch it off. Nothing. Because he's always there. He's a part of me. It's very annoying. (laughs) It's extremely annoying. It's the same for him. He said to me the other day that he still dreams about me. He's with other, he's been with other women, but he still dreams about me. So the, that connection is still there. And then we have this thing that, you know, we both go to phone each other at the same time or I'll go on Instagram and the moment I go on Instagram, he's just sent me a message. You know, like all these synchronicities still happen. 
And when we were together, they were heightened. They were just so, so bad. And we didn't want to ever be separated. We, we just want to be together all the time, you know. And he would get on Skype at night time and it would be daytime here. And he'd say, just stay with me till I fall asleep, you know. So I'd be on Skype and, and he'd say so he could fall asleep, things like that. We'd have dates on Skype. We'd share a meal and share a bottle, a glass of wine over Skype and things like that. But when, when I was over there, he wasn't allowed to come here for three years. He overstayed his visa. He got into big trouble. He didn't realise he, he did, but he overstayed it by a month. So he was banned for three years. So I had to keep going over there. He couldn't come in. I would go over there and we would just want to hang together. We didn't want to do any work. We just wanted to hang out. He would hold me on the couch for six hours. We'd just be holding each other. It was, just, it was really beautiful. It was just a connection like no other connection. Yeah, and we're still connected. Why did you break up and what's next from here the, on in? The triggering, the triggering of all of the wounds. So all of my, I've got a lot of wounds around father and a lot of wounds around mother and he brought up every one of them to be healed. So my father left my mother for six months and he didn't talk to me the whole time. He left her for another woman. So I re recreated that he would leave me for another woman to be healed. But we didn't know that. We didn't know that that's what was happening and that's what was going on and played it out beautifully so that it could be healed. And I've spent three years in counselling, working on myself, working on self-love, working on healing, all of that. And anyway, while Dad was away and I didn't know this, my mother forbid him from contacting me unless he came back to her. So she used me as a pawn. And I had no idea. So I thought Daddy didn't love me anymore. I was 12 and I idolised my father. I was the only child. And so I thought Daddy didn't love me anymore. So that was a huge wound, massive wound. And Dad didn't tell me. He came back because he came back for me. But I didn't know that and I punished him for the, for the rest of the time. I punished him because I was, I was so angry and so upset and so hurt. And when I was 21, he told me what mum had done. And he didn't tell me until I grew up because he didn't want me to look at my mother differently. That's how much he loved me. So my twin would bring up all of that pain to be resurfaced, to be cleared and put love into it. But we didn't know that. So instead of letting it come up, and healing it and doing whatever I needed to do to, for myself, we would act it out with each other. And all of his wounds we would act out too because he had a terrible childhood. He had a shocking childhood, so he has a lot of wounds as well. And I would bring up all that and he's got mother wounds and I would bring them up. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a hot mess. <laughs> it was just a really hot mess. Just... Crazy stuff would happen and we would get into such really bad arguments. Like not, nothing ever physical but really bad arguments and, you know, I, I packed his bag one day and threw it, put it outside the door and told him to get out. This is in California and he got really angry so he threw it down the waterfall and then he broke into the house at 2 a.m. 
and bounces on the bed like a puppy dog and says, well, I'm back. What are you going to do about it? We make up. Anyway, <laughs> this particular time he's supposed to go to the gym. He goes to the gym every morning. And I packed his favourite gym shoes. And I put all his favourite things in the bag that I packed to send him on his way. <laughs> so all his favourite stuff. So his favourite gym shoes are in there. He said, where are my shoes? Where are my gym shoes? I said, oh, they're in the bag. He said, oh, shit, they're down the bloody waterfall. So, so he had to scurry down the waterfall to, to get the bag. It was still in one piece, thank God, and got all his clothes back. That's the sort of stuff that would happen. Like we would get so angry with each other, so angry, but it, it, it was anger directed out, but it was very verbal. It was very damaging verbally, very emotional. Just we, we just couldn't we couldn't continue. So I how long ago was it. that? That was it all broke up about twenty sixteen, really badly. And then twenty eighteen we tried to get back together again. So I went over to Hollywood and he came he met me there and I wrote the book with Jack Canfield and we had the launch of it in red red carpet launch in Hollywood was awesome. The book's called Mastering Out of Success with Jack Canfield and it had a great time and then he said we wanted to try again. So he also came back with me here to Australia for three months and we nearly killed each other again. Same stuff. Just really bad. And I kicked him out and I kicked him out and I kicked him out. Anyway, I kicked him out for the last time. I didn't even go to the airport to say goodbye. But I know when the plane left because I felt my heart being pulled out of my chest and it would have been just as the plane was leaving Australia that it's a really, it's, it's so incredible. Our hearts would sink together so they'd beat at the same time and if I got upset and angry, my heart rate goes up. I got high blood pressure, right? So my heart rate goes up and he would say, hey, get that heart beat down right now. I can't, I can't handle it because his heart would go up too. Like seriously, that's the connection. And that could happen 7,000 miles apart. If my heart rate goes up, he can feel it. So where to from here? What's happening now? Don't know. I don't know. He's just broken up with somebody probably number 532 just he has a lot of has a lot of relationships and i don't know what's going to happen i i'm open to whatever might happen i'm i'm just so grateful at the moment that we're able to communicate without exploding we're finally back to the beginning if that makes sense it's not the boyfriend girlfriend lover thing it's it's just friends at the moment but at least we can have that and I'm grateful if that's all we have I'm very very grateful for that and that will be okay so I'm not putting any if I could wave a magic wand yes I want to be with him does it make sense none at all we are totally opposite to each other he is so creative he's very very creative but so much so that He's really not on earth plane. He's very immature in lots of ways and then he's really, really wise in other ways and beyond his years. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. 
And the age difference is a big is a big thing. It's a big deal. It's a big deal for him too. It wasn't originally, but it has become it has become so. And he's always trying to find me in a younger version of me. And of course he can't. And he admits that. No one's like you. No, no, well, no. That's true. <laughs> and I don't want to find anyone else. I'm happy and I'm grateful for having what I've had. Really grateful. Because some people never ever get to experience that. And I can say that I have and I've got a hell of a story to tell and it'll keep me warm in my old, old, old years. Yeah, it'll give me a warm feeling. So I'm very blessed. And I'm very blessed now that he's here. But yes, if I could wave a magic wand, we would be together. Definitely. Without question. When when do, Jack Canfield, you never mentioned that. When did you write a book with Jack Canfield? In um, 2017. And what was it? How did you meet Jack Canfield? Through the Roger Hamilton stuff? No, I didn't. I didn't meet him. I did it through publishers and I was able to do a chapter in Jack Canfield's book. And I met Jack and he interviewed me and we had this big celebration and I I won an award. Uh, it's a bestseller. Yeah, it's called Mastering the Art, Art of Success and I talk about the teams and how to work with the teams in it. So it's going on from the success principles that Jack Canfield wrote and, of course, he wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul series and all of those things as well. So that's how that happened. Whoa, you kept that one quiet. And so when is this next book coming? <laughs> I don't know about this next one. This is going to be a labour of love. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I've got, it's all there and, I'm going, and I've got the transcripts so I can use a lot of the stuff for the Sarah and Erskine part of it. I just, yeah, I'm doing it from a healing perspective. I'd say a year. You'll probably see it in a year and I think it'd make a fantastic film. So I'd love, I'd love to make a film out of it. It would be awesome. So well, thank you for that. No one's ever done that. I've never talked about the twin playing oh, with thank anyone. You. Yeah, not to go into a podcast, that's for sure. <laughs> I normally you. only talk to other twins because they get it, they understand. It's a very different concept, yeah. Yeah, it was, I got your reluctance and I thought, no, this sounds really interesting. <laughs> I'm not letting you go now. I'll just stay here. So thank you. That, really, welcome. thank you. That was absolutely brilliant. And do you know what was really amazing? Your voice completely changed between really? the two topics. Totally changed. Yeah. Once One was probably masculine, one was probably more feminine. Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the yep. second half, it's been very soft and gentle and all the kindness has come out, whereas the first half, it was, this is the what's so. This is how it is. Yeah. It was, it was that would be right. That's yeah. interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Thank okay. you so much. That was really cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Come and join us in our new Facebook group, the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood group where we'll discuss what happened in this podcast and all the other things that have got to do with midlife. I'll see you there.